when my sister was going through her cancer and I see her uh, call and I see her number on the, on the work phone or something and I pick up my initial reaction every once in a while, right after I said, hey, how's it going, June? I'd go, oh, she's dying of cancer. How do you think it's going? Don't ask the question, how's it going? Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Each week, my guest and I share our vulnerable behind the scenes stories of giving ourselves permission to take off our masks, let go of expectations, and embrace our own path of freedom and authentic connection. I am your host, Bianca Hughes, a lover of authenticity. Hello and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. I'm your host, Bianca Hughes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, This is episode 72 of the podcast and I'm so thankful that you are here on the podcast. And I have a guest today on the podcast and we're talking about a topic that I believe all of us have been impacted in some way, whether it's ourselves personally, a family member, member or friend. But before we get into our topic, let's go ahead and let's learn about our guest. My guest today is David Richman. David is an author, public speaker, philanthropist, and endurance athlete whose mission is to form meaningful human connections through storytelling. His first book, Winning in the Middle of the Pack, discuss how to get more out of ourselves than ever imagined. With Cycle of Lives, David shares the interconnected stories of people overcoming trauma and delves deeply into the emotional journeys with cancer. He continues to do Ironman triathlons and a wide range of endurance athletic events. Having recently completed a solo 4,700 mile bike ride. He is married, lives in Southern Nevada, and has twins who are in college. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation. So David, it's so good to um, talk to you and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Thank you, Bianca. I'm very excited. It is a Wednesday and um, here we are talking. I know, I know. So tell me, um, favorite question, what does authenticity mean to you? So I think authenticity is knowing when something's real, right? It's authentic. And I guess with like pieces of art or a coin or some collectible, Mm -hmm. we have ways to test that. I think with humans, we don't. Um, So I guess authenticity to me would be being truly heart-centered, grounded, um, connected, you know, leaning in, um, being a good listener, um, and uh, trying to be as true to who you are when you're engaging with other people as you know how to be, um, and just just being real, you know, yeah. being able to be real. I love that. I've heard this word a lot lately, um, heart-centered. Yeah. What does that mean for you? I, I've been hearing a lot about it. You know, it's a word that's coming to my, um, you know, world recently as well. And um, 
uh, I belong to a men's group uh, that is uh, a bunch of entrepreneurs and entertainment people and coaches and things like that. Mm -hmm. And they say they're a group of heart centered men. And so we have the same that that same thought that that's come through. And I think heart centered means it's not like 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 you don't go, hey, I love you, bro. (laughs) Because I love you, bro. Or I love you, guy or whatever is like, it's not, that's not being heart centered. That's saying something. Cause you want to say, when you look at somebody and go, you know, I love you. I love what you bring to me, to me. I love what you're doing. I appreciate who you are. I think being heart centered is what, what you were just asking before is what, what is authenticity being heart centered means being real, like, like re- relying on what's inside of you and not, saying things, doing things, because that's what you have to do, or what, what, the way you think people want to perceive you or whatever. It's just being heart centered. Like, let's, let's, let's be real. Let's, let's, you know, let's make it real. Cool. Um, so have you always been authentic? Uh, yes, in a certain way, and no, in other ways. Tell us more about that. So, um, <laughs> You know, I think um, yeah, I came to a realization about maybe like 15 years ago that I did things for other people. And I, you know, I was always a really hard worker. I always tried to be a good friend. I, I mean, it wasn't perfect. Nobody's perfect. But I, I think like um, that I, I was so intent on doing things because that's the way I thought I should do them. Or I thought that people around me wanted me to, here's what I need to do to be a better kid. Here's what I need to do to be a better employee or a better manager or a better parent. And I kind of always came from the perspective of what I thought other people wanted from me. Um, That's not real authentic because I wasn't doing what made me happy maybe i was but i wasn't doing it for me it wasn't from me for me it wasn't authentically you know it's kind of like um uh cooking dinner like if you say i have to cook my kids dinner that's not being authentic how about you get to cook your kids dinner how about Mm. you do that because you you want to do it that's authenticity right if you don't want to do it don't do it because you think you have to or get them to cook or go get some to go food or, or takeaway or whatever, right? Th- that's authentic, right? My wife's very, very direct, very authentic. I love that about her, but it's a little bit like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> if she tastes something and she doesn't like it, she goes, oh, I don't like that. Meanwhile, I might have said, oh, somebody spent the time to cook that. I better not say I don't like it because they probably don't want to hear that. And so, oh, yeah, you know, it is pretty good. I, I'm not being authentic. I love that. You That's know, such I'm a great example. Yeah. Yes. You know, being authentic yeah. would be saying like, I got to tell you, it's not the best thing I ever have, but I really appreciate you trying. Here's how I think you guys can make it better. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So how did you begin to change or what was there something that propelled you to change to become yes. more authentic? What was that? Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, and it was kind of a lightning bolt. Uh, uh, thing. I was, I was in a very unhealthy, abusive relationship. Uh, I had young twins at the time. They were, they were four years old and I had, um, uh, was working really, really hard. Um, 
kind of quote unquote for the man, right? I was I was on Wall Street working for a company doing this crazy grind of where nothing was about you, it was all about the company. Um, and, um, you know, I was trying to navigate a very unhealthy relationship and also just found out the news that my sister uh, I had been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And I just said, geez, man, like literally, who are you and what do you want to do? And I, 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 got, I got out of that relationship, took my kids with me, um, kind of just stood in front of the mirror, Bianca, literally one day and just said, dude, who, who are you? Who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Like, do you really want to be an overweight smoker, not athletic, always doing things for other people? And, you know, it's okay to do things for other people, like be unselfish. But I mean, like, don't you want to like get what, out of life what you want out of life? even if that's doing things for other people, you know, being a better parent or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I literally had that kind of like lightning moment where I just said, you got to put yourself first. And I, I never, ever did that. I was, you know, give me a gift. No way. Like I'll give a hundred gifts. Don't give me one. Right. Wow. Cause I don't want the attention on me. Right. And, and I'll always do stuff to make everybody else happy, but you want to do something to make me happy. I'll never let you. Right. So I just had this moment that said, no, let's turn that around. Let's turn that equation around. Love that. So of course, that was the look in the mirror. Yeah. But that was the beginning. And, Uh, you know, I love to say that authenticity is a journey. Oh, yeah. Tell us, I know one of the big things was your sister Mm -hmm. um, and having brain cancer and eventually um, losing her life to... um, to, mm-hmm. to brain cancer yeah. was that also a big part of you like like you kind of mentioned but really helping you connect to your authentic self in that yeah. experience as well yeah for sure I mean you you can like people I mean you're an, you're you know you're a professional in this field you know some people will turn away from difficult situations and some people will lean into them mm-hmm. I had always figured that the way that I get away from a problem is to dig myself a really deep hole. So, or to get away from something that would make me grow or make me become authentic or just uh, anything that was positive, anything that would be transformative. I I would escape that by digging a hole and figuring out how to get out of it. Mm. Take another job, create a problem, do whatever. And when I stopped, kind of sabotaging myself and keeping myself so busy that I wouldn't focus on the important things, then I could then focus on the important things. And, um, you know, seeing what my sister was going through and, and, and finally owning, um, doing things for myself and trying to become a better me, which took a long time to do because I was a wreck. Um, uh, was it definitely a journey but that's you know that was all part of it and and certainly what june went through was a catalyst for that as well wow so you have that that's a lot so mm-hmm. i just want people to know like he's talking but all i can think of is transition after transition you get out of this relationship 
um, you know, this unhealthy marriage, you take yep. your kids and now you have your kids. So that's one, two, two kids. So you're a single parent or were you co-parenting? Well, we uh, co-parenting, but I was really the major the caregiver, okay. driver, coordinator, okay. you know, safe you, place, the whole thing. And then you're still working on Wall Street. And then, yep. um, and then of course, now you're deciding to change yourself. You're recognizing, looking in the mirror and discovering who you yes. are. And then also now your sister has brain cancer mm -hmm. and then eventually passes away. Like that is a lot of transitions. It is. And I can think about a lot of emotional turmoil. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that we don't always talk about. So what was that like? Yeah. Like that well, pain that when you're like, I want to run. <laughs> well, you're so right. And that, um, that's exactly the impetus for this book was that people don't talk about the emotional stress. So let me tell you a story. So um, June was, it was about four years into her uh, brain cancer. She was right near the end. And there was a 24 hour relay for life going on. And she said, Hey, I want to make it to this relay for life so I can watch the people walk around the track for 24 hours and root me on and be there to support me. And I was so taken by that. I had already started my athletic journey. And I said, I was at the point where I felt like I could run the whole 24 hours on the track if she was going to be there to watch, watch. So I said, I'll run the whole 24 hours. You, you stay there and watch. Unfortunately, she died a couple of days before the event. So she yeah. didn't get to see it, right? It was very tragic for her and all the people that were supporting her, her family and everything. Um, but I still went out there and I did it. Mm -hmm. And my kids were with me and they witnessed it and the whole thing. We had some friends out there. It was a very moving day, but I noticed Bianca that that's exactly what um, was at the root of everybody's trauma was that they didn't know how to talk about or process the emotional side of it. Mm -hmm. Like they could talk about how to get better care, how to deal with the kids, um, how to support a friend, you know, to bring over a pie. They could talk about these kind of things but they couldn't talk about the emotional side of it. And I thought to myself, um, you know, that is a very interesting topic to try to deal with. How do people, how can we equip people to better talk about the emotional side of their cancer journey, patient, caregiver, you know, loved one, professional like you, somebody like, how can we get them to, to better equip them to deal with the emotional side of that you know, kind of in relation to all the traumas that we all have, you know, mm. abandonment, abuse, isolation, right. you know, drug addiction, whatever, how do those things limit us or prevent us even from dealing with the emotional side of trauma and especially the trauma of cancer? And that exactly what you said was the impetus for the, for the book. Wow. And so what is the emotional for you? And then I'm sure like, what was the, what is the emotional side of trauma personally for you? Right. Before we so, get into the other people. Yeah. So I kind of think um, that we're motivated. We're, we're connected rather by two things, Bianca. I think we're connected by stories as mm -hmm. human beings. And I think we're connected by emotions, right? If you're with somebody that you like, admire, enjoy being around and they go and you ask them a question and they go, ah, let me tell you a story. What do you do? You lean in because you want to hear the story, right? So I think we're connected by stories and I think we're connected by emotion. Like, for example, if I were to say to any listener out there, um, you, me, whatever, we're going to accidentally fall out of a boat and be trapped under the water. 
there's nobody that wouldn't experience fear. Fear <laughs> death, right? I'm going to be, I'm afraid to die, right? Mm -hmm. Fear is an emotion that we mm -hmm. all have in common. Um, we might not um, respond to all stimuli the same way, but with the same emotional responses, but we all have the same emotion. And I feel like the emotion of trauma is different for everybody. And at sometimes you might feel um, angry. Maybe you're going to feel um, desperate. Maybe you're going to feel a gratitude. There could be mm -hmm. a number of things that you feel in relation to your trauma um, or the trauma that you see others going through. And what I think it's important to, to understand is what are the triggers that cause people to have an emotional response? Usually it's the traumas in their life, mm -hmm. um, in their past life, that, that uh, if we can connect with them, what you said earlier, in a heart-centered, authentic way um, uh, about what those triggers were, things they might have gone through, things they might be going through, then we connect on a on a more emotional level. For me, long, super long answer to your question. For me, the trauma of losing my sister, and I didn't recognize the emotional response until years later, was um, isolation because she was the only one that knew about the kind of screwed up childhood we had. Mm. And I lost I lost the one person that understood me that way you know and so it was very isolating and so losing her was not uh just the losing somebody you care about but it was also like oh my god i'm really out here alone right because nobody knows the emotional issues of my childhood no way she does she did but nobody else does wow definitely isolating wow oh i'm getting teary thinking about ah. <laughs> I get teary thinking about that because to have someone to understand the, the power of being understood and seen, well, should I say not even understood, but seen and known, yeah. it's so powerful. And when that person is not there, it it is traumatic. Um, yeah. Death is, is, is traumatic. So it's, you know, what we kind of call that kind of complex trauma. I can, I can, yeah, yeah I felt that isolation. Right. Yeah, uh, so... My wife's uh, um, an attorney. She's she's um, um, been involved in a mentoring group. Uh, they they mentor inner city youth, and mm -hmm. they have a saying there. A lot of your uh, listeners you might know. It's called Salbona, and it means I see you, right? Mm. Because that's what you. That's I think what when when you are your authentic self and somebody else is their authentic self with you, you see each other on a different level, and you are safe to be yourself, right? And they're safe to be themselves. And I think that's all we ever really want is to be safe. And if we are safe and we can connect on a, in a real meaningful, I see you way. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's a beautiful part of life. That's a really beautiful part of life. It is. It mm -hmm. is. Is that, it kind of reminds me, is that what happened when you were on your journey of writing this book to speak to mm -hmm. other people with the, you know, who had experienced um, the emotional toll of yeah. cancer? Was it that I see you, I'm leaning in, that mm -hmm. kind of helped you and propelled you to write this book, would you say? Yeah, for sure. is exactly that. Um, and it wasn't easy, right? You can't not just First of all, I, I can't hear everybody because maybe I have some channels that are tuned out and people can't always want me to hear them because they have some channels that are tuned out. But 
um, it took me a while, but I wanted to find a very diverse range of people, you know, age, backgrounds, uh, did they encounter cancer when they were young or old, you know, uh, as a professional, as a caregiver, as a, you know, did they grow up to be an oncologist? When, you know, I, did they have cancer one time? Did they have cancer five times? Was it, you know, did they have um, a, 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 what range of emotions in relation to the trauma? I wanted this diverse range of characteristics so that I could have these crazy, evocative, inspiring people. And then I had to form a relationship with them. And I had to say to them, listen, Bianca, I, I, I think your story needs to be told. And they would all go, ah, oh, my story's not interesting, but I, you know, I, you know, you know when you know. And then um, I say, you know, I, I, I have to be prepared to ask you anything. And if it's an area we can't go in, then, uh, and it's important, then, then we can't work together on this project because um, we have to talk about very, very serious, important, transformative points in your life because we want to help people. Mm. Right? We want to help people. So an example would be um, like, for example, Terry. So Terry, two different times, she gets um, abandoned going in for um, uh, bone marrow transplant. Twice, she, she, she got two bone marrow transplants. Both times, she got abandoned, literally right before or during the process by, mm. by her loved one. Like, I can't handle this, you're on your own. Okay. Then she's part of a support group and every, with her particular type of cancer, she's the only one to survive her support group. Everybody else dies. Okay. Her family doesn't really know how to deal with this stuff. They kind of put her off on an island. So here's this woman that has been abandoned. She's been isolated. She's been left alone. How many countless ways? But until we understand those things about her, we wouldn't believe, in, unless we heard her story, how hopeful she was that she would find out what it all meant, how hopeful she was that she would connect with somebody that would ultimately get her, that would ultimately you know, be with her, how hopeful she was that she just wanted to wake up the next day to see what it would bring. And it sounds trite, those things, to me at least, unless we understand in relation to the really difficult things that she went through, um, you know, how meaningful that is. So when you say to somebody, hey, listen, I, th I think maybe tomorrow could be a better day, that you now can authentically say that because you're gonna listen to maybe some of the things in them that are causing them to not believe that. Mm. And if we can connect with people on that level, I think then we can help them along their journey, help ourselves along our journeys. Um, so yeah, connecting with people, I, I saw again for the long answer, but connecting with people and really getting deep into their stories and talking about these transformative um, uh, traumatic experiences and then relate that to the trauma of cancer was kind of the, the germane to the whole project. Wow. It, it reminds me of the whole thing of the purpose, you know, one of the purposes of the podcast is to share those stories so that people know they're not alone. And yeah. um, when people listen, they're just so inspired and, and yeah. given a different, a different viewpoint. Do you feel like doing the book and connecting with these people also helped you in the process to deal with some of the own th your own things that you were going through, do you think? 
I do, um, maybe not directly. It wasn't like a light bulb went off when somebody okay. told me something and I said, oh yeah, I get it. But, but um, each, each person um, very clearly told me that they talked to me about mm -hmm. things that they hadn't talked to anybody about, mm -hmm. okay? Or that they were forced through this process to examine things that they hadn't examined before. So because of that, um, they took steps forward along their journey of discovery, transformation, enlightenment, whatever. And I was there next to them doing that. So that helped me with my own issues because I could see what they were going through. And because I'm connected to them on a very personal level, even if only for, you know, two dozen conversations or a, a year or two or whatever, most, many of the people turned into friends, but um, even if I only connected them for that little bit, I, I was witness to some transformation, some evolution, some aha moments for them um, where then I could then apply that to my own uh, situation and learn from what they were going through for sure. Well, wow. What are some of your biggest discoveries do you think for yourself personally? Uh, for myself personally, it was to gain a little bit more perspective, um, right? Um, I, I know we all say this and it's, <laughs> I don't know how to put this, but you know how like, we're always like, oh, I'm so busy or, oh, this is so hard or, uh, you know, this is so difficult. It's easy to say, well, it's really not compared to what other people are going through, but I think that's an easy out. When you really see how hard people sometimes have it and they are in a more positive place than you mm. more optimistic or more hopeful or less burdened even than you you go whoa okay I gotta calm my stuff down man I gotta I gotta like like get get some perspective right I gotta chill out an exa example of that is um, one of the uh, book participants who's become a very good friend um, had to deal, had, was dealing with some abandonment issues during his care. And it caused him to be very macho about it. I, I, I don't need anybody taking me to chemo. I don't want anybody driving me home. You know, he, he never called in sick. It was like, you know, he just pretended like he's this big macho guy and he's not going to rely on anybody. Well, why did he not rely on anybody? Because not only did he get abandoned during his uh, care, but he got abandoned by his mom. He walked in on his mom killing herself when he was a little boy. Oh, wow. Talk about abandonment. Yeah. So here's a guy who leaves his job to go work for the cancer center that took care of him. He gives back to the Latino community to try to convince them to deal with early screening. He does all of this wonderful stuff in the mm -hmm. community. He's super optimistic. You know, he's super grateful for his life. And I'm thinking to myself, holy cow, man. When I say, oh, I don't have any problems, trust me, compared to him, I don't have any problems, right? Mm. Now, he would look at me and go, dude, I got it easy compared to you, but we, we, we could do that, right, with everybody. But I think um, one of the benefits to me was gaining a little bit more perspective and um, allowing myself to realize that pain is pain and it can hurt. And maybe sometimes I should not make a big deal out of things that I'm making a big deal out of. Or it's okay to make a big deal out of things I'm not making a big deal out of, mm. you know?
Two different perspectives. Yeah, that. for sure. Like uh, that example of, 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 of allowing people to do something for you. I would mm. never do that, right? Okay. I, difficult for me to accept help, right? I would much rather cook a hundred meals for you than to sit back and relax while you cook me one, right? Because mm-hmm. it's hard for me to go, oh, you really want to do it? I feel guilty, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, right? But that's a big deal. I got to sit back and go, no, it's important. People want to care for you. Let them. Yeah. So, no. So I learned a lot. I learned a lot. It sounds like there's a lot of um, I'm, what I'm learning, I'm hearing is this common theme of like loneliness and abandonment mm-hmm. when it comes to cancer, which is interesting and surprising, especially in this sense of, um, of course, the abandonment and lonely, because maybe you're the only person going through this, or people are not supportive, mm-hmm. or you don't have a support system, or, you know, you're the you're not gonna people are not going to be around from all sides from the caregivers yeah. from the patient, um, yep. you know, or, you know, from the, the medical professionals, which I personally I haven't had that close. I've had it, no people who've had it, but not had that close of experience of cancer. Sure. So I'm learning myself how all those emotions surrounding it and what really occurs. It does. And it is very isolating. I, I serve on the board of a, of an organization that uh, caters to the AYA community, um, uh, cancer community. And isolation is the number one, um, issue that they have to deal with because you know you talk to any uh, you know AYA person who's going through cancer and they'll tell you they walk into the to the cancer ward and everybody's super young or super old there's nobody their age there they're the only one it's very isolating and then also your friends are going off to college or having kids and dealing with those kind of things where you can't deal with those things or you might not ever be able to do it. It's a very isolating disease. And then um, because it's so uh, emotional, this, you know, getting cancer, being afraid of cancer, is it going to kill me? Is it not going to kill me? All of these crazy emotions over it. Um, We tend to uh, back away from it. Like people go, oh, I'm sorry. And then they they walk away because they don't know what to say. Right. Mm. One of the book participants, his name is Bobby. He had a great story. His story is very inspiring. Self-sabotaging guy, um, ruined every relationship he ever had, you know, was a real, was a real jerk. Finally meets somebody who is just a angel that takes care of, you know, teaches him how to be a decent human being and how to love himself and love somebody else, whatever. She gets cancer right after they meet. Um, two years later, they get married and she dies right away from the cancer um and his story is about how did he find love after that how could he love somebody and find love after right this is a guy who definitely did not isolate right he learned a lot through his process and i I won't go into all the things but the important thing about that that story is that he was telling me a story about his dad Mm -hmm. and he said you know my dad's best friend that he known since he was a kid his, that friend's wife had recently passed away from cancer. And he said, I called my dad and I said, Hey, how's so-and-so doing? And my dad's like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And he goes, what do you mean? You don't know. You talk to him all the time. He goes, yeah, but his wife just died. What am I going to say to him? I can't call him. Mm. Me, right? Bobby goes, pick up the phone, call him. 
Ask him about a sports team. Talk about the weather. Ask him if he needs anything for dinner. Ask him what's going on in his life. But I mean, you've been talking to this guy for decades every day, and now you're going to go weeks and not talk to him. So cancer is a very isolating thing because yeah. people just don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it is. It is hard. Um, I think there's even times because, you know, in my job, there are moments where you literally have to sit in silence and you just literally have to be there because you cannot fix um, a person is in emotional pain. And there are times I, I don't know what to say. Right, right. Um, but right. I always tell people sometimes it's just like, you know what? I don't know what to say. What do you need? Because yeah. I have no clue. But what do you need? Do you need me to sit here? Do you need me to go away? Like, what do you need? Because that's, that's a great way to do it because it it takes a lot of, courage to put yourself out there in such a way right oftentimes like let's just say for example um you're you're at work and somebody's looking a little down and you go hey what's going on and they go oh you know and you go no no no, what's going on and they go oh i just found out you know my my husband's friend their 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 daughter just got cancer i don't know what to say to him and you go, yeah, geez, that's tough, man. I'm so sorry to hear that. And then you walk away going, oh, why did I have to ask him what's wrong? Because I don't know what the hell to say, you know? Meanwhile, if you could have just said, you could lean in and you could go, I know it's going to sound stupid, but I don't know what to say. I mean, should I should I talk to you? Should I not talk to you? Is it, Do you want to unload on me? Because I'd love to be there if you want me to, but don't feel like you have to, right? I used to, when, when my sister was going through her cancer, and I see her uh, call and I see her number on the, on the work phone or something. And I pick up my initial reaction every once in a while, right after I said, Hey, how's it going, June? I'd go, Oh, she's dying of cancer. How do you think it's going? Don't ask the question. How's it going? But a couple of times of doing that, she could sense my hesitation. I'd say, how's it going? And she'd go, Oh, I'm great, man. Everything's good. Or I'm not feeling that good today, but whatever. I didn't call you about that. Let's talk about this. But we all oftentimes, and reasonably enough don't want to don't want to say i don't know don't want to say what the hell do you need we just don't know what to say so it's um it's so important for your what you do to be able to be safe enough to say i'm not here to fix you but i'm trying to be here to help you mm-hmm. what, what do you need how can i help you that, that's a really really powerful thing to do oh, thank you yeah yeah so um, you have one concept that I want to ask you about really quickly. Yeah. Because um, you have another book um, that you also wrote as well. Mm-hmm. And you have um, a concept. Did I write this down? Let me look at my handwriting. The, uh, winning in the middle of the pack? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what does middle of the pack mean? That's the concept, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is looking at my handwriting. I'm like, you did not write. What did I write down? (laughs) No, I appreciate that. Um, So here's here's where that came from, and it all came from that um, looking in the mirror that day and going literally like, who do you want to be? Because I felt felt like I had done things for other people. So let's take two ends of the spectrum, Bianca. At the one end of the spectrum, you got your Oprah Winfrey's and your Michael Jordans. Um, You know, you you have a Elon Musk, you have these people that are just unbelievably successful 
and nobody can tell them what to do. They will do, they do whatever they do for themselves. They could care less what anybody else thinks. It's all about them. Mm -hmm. Good thing, because look at what they bring to us by, by having been so accomplished. At the other end of the spectrum, you've got your like 30-year-old college graduate that's playing video games in their parents' basement and won't do anything, right? They're completely the opposite of the Oprah Winfrey's of the world because they're 100% unmotivated. Mm -hmm. And they don't listen to what anybody says. They do everything for themselves. They don't care about making other people happy. And I think all the rest of us, somewhere along the spectrum of in the middle of those things, we, we aren't trained to do things for ourselves. We're trained to do things to be a better student, to be a better therapist, to be a better writer, to be a better parent, to be a better friend, because that's what we think we should do. And this middle of the pack concept goes, well, if Oprah Winfrey were to enter a marathon, all cameras would be on her. And if your loser grandson, who never did a thing in his life, all of a sudden said, I'm going to get healthy and I'm going to go run a marathon and I'm going to make a... Uh, I'm, you know, I was addicted to drugs and I was a loser and, and, and somebody gets a hold of that story. Everybody's going to be watching them to see if they mm -hmm. finish that marathon, right? Everybody else, nobody cares about. I'm in that group where nobody cares. Nobody cares if I finish or not. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's an empowering thing. If I'm going to do it, I might as well do it for myself. Wow. Right. Don't do it for other people. So in the middle of the pack, I feel like nobody's watching. Nobody cares. You do things for you. Like if it's important for you, do it. If it's not, don't. Because in the end, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. I don't see, I don't see Michael Jordan wondering what other people think about what he does or doesn't do. Mm. I, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't see Ellen DeGeneres doing that, right? They they do things because that's who they are and they do it for themselves. And I very much admire that. So I said in the middle of the pack where nobody's really watching and nobody cares what you do or how you finish, that's where we need to, like the beauty of it is it could be all about what we want to accomplish and what we care about ourselves and the person we want to be, right? And so that brings us back to that authentic self. If you're doing things for you, even if that's doing things for other people, volunteering, being a therapist, whatever even if you're helping people, but it's something that you really want to do for you, mm -hmm. then just who cares what anybody else thinks? Just, mm. just go do it. You know, when I, when I, when I was an overweight smoker and never did anything in my life, I was so afraid to tell somebody I was going to go do an Ironman, you know, an Ironman triathlon. This is a 12 hour yeah. endurance event. <laughs> and why? Because I thought to myself, they're going to think I'm an idiot, right? What? Oh, they're going to say, Oh, you're this overweight, you know, old guy that smoked and can't, but they're going to, meanwhile, why do I care? If I want to do it, I should do it. And if it's something that's important to me, then I should do it. So I like living in that middle of the pack where nobody cares. Nobody's watching. It's all about what I care about. I love that. That's so free. And like you said, and so yeah. um, authentic. Mm -hmm. um, and I love also what you said, kind of like helping people be free to be extraordinary for yourself. Yes, not necessarily to have the accolades and 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 what other people want, but that is really hard though. It's um, hard because it's like, well, how do I know? Like you, one of the when I when I think about things I want to do is having this conversation with someone, and um, we're talking about perfectionism, which is what I work with, and um, 
and I was like you know I'm writing this journal and I just don't know and I have all these questions and I was like and then someone's telling me about research and I haven't I'm not a researcher and I was like you know what I know what I know I might not have a paper that's written and researched and all these things but I know what I know when people sit in this room with me and I know what I see the only difference between me and that paper is they haven't published they're published and I'm unpublished I'm not right and it's you really have to have these conversations with yourself to be okay without having a measurement or what else what is how is someone going to grade you you know (laughs) yeah but how how much more authentic and how much more beautiful is it that you are sitting there saying, I'm not going to be a better therapist because that's what my patient needs. I'm going to be a better therapist because I'm a very good therapist. I want to be the best me that I could be, right? That's a very different thing, right? Mm. You, If you're writing in your journal and you're learning and you're doing all of these things because that's who you want to be, who the heck matters? It doesn't, nothing else matters, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing. It doesn't make you a better person because somebody else wants to put an article about you in, a, in, in the paper. Now, granted, those things help and maybe they're good. It's sometimes good to get um, uh, recognition for the things that you do. But I can tell you how many times in my life I've done the best job out of anybody and somebody else won the award. Mm. Right? Yeah. So, so, so I, I give you an example. I haven't I said this example in many, many years, but it just hit me. Uh, my 11th grade year in high school. So uh, that's 11th grade. I was not a, a freshman and I was not varsity. I was a swimmer. I was on the JV team, junior varsity team. Mm-hmm. I won every single meet, every single event of every single meet. Now I wasn't going against the varsity guys. So I was just going against the junior varsity guys. But I, but I was also going against one or two pers- people in my own team. Mm-hmm. I won every single event of every single meet. And guess what? I did not win most valuable JV swimmer. Wow. And I was crushed. I was absolutely crushed because here I was working to show how valuable I was. And I won every single race. And I'm sitting there going, why the hell didn't I get the award? Now, if I could go back to my younger self, I would say, wait a second. Aren't you swimming super hard? And aren't you trying to win because that's what you want? Are you doing it because you're trying to hope other people think that you're great? Because if somebody, if you're doing it for them, trust me, in the end, you put all this time in, you, they didn't think you were the greatest, even though you were, right? So mm-hmm. I think that it's so important to learn, and it took me a long time to learn this, but it, re- it really doesn't matter what other people think more than the person that's in the mirror. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Do you have any, (laughs) you kind of like left on a really good gem. I always like to say, do you have anything you want to share with the audience Uh, finally? But that was such a good gem. But do you have anything else you want them to know? Oh, you know, that's, that's, that's really sweet. Um, And thank you. You know, I would say one thing I learned recently that I could share, that I think is important, especially in relation to all the things that we've already talked about is that um, somebody told me they're, they're, very um, experienced and educated. They, they said that the human brain is wired to, when it comes to our past experiences, it's wired to pull away from the good things about us because we tend to see that as a third person. 
like that's a movie that we're watching. And in the past, when it's a negative, we kind of lean in. Like we experienced like that story I just told you about not getting the award for, I, I could mm -hmm. see that. Like I, but I didn't talk about all the races I won and how many, how great I was, right? Because that was, I, I, I see that as somebody else. So I, I would say that uh, to the extent possible, you should lean into the, to the positives, right? Lean into the good things about you and, and focus on, on those positives. You know, um, uh, Roger Federer, famous tennis player. I remember reading a quote from him like 20 years ago and they asked him, um, Hey, you, you don't train on your weaknesses. You train on your strengths. Why do you do that? And he goes, are you kidding me? No matter how hard I work on my weak things, there's going to be somebody that's going to beat me at it. But the things that I do well, if I do them really, really, really well, nobody could come close to me. And I'm like, ah, oh, that makes sense, man. So instead of focusing on our negatives, let's focus on our positives, right? And so if we could do that about ourselves, then that allows us to probably be more authentic. Yeah, powerful words. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Sure. Um, so how can people connect with you? Where can they find you to shower you with sure. love? With love. Oh, well, thank you for that. Um, so all the proceeds from the book are going to support the cancer organizations that were picked by the book participants. So uh, uh, organizations like American Cancer Society, Moffitt Cancer Center, Children's Hospital LA, there's a bunch more. They're on my website. It's cycleoflives.org. Mm-hmm. The book is sold wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, whatever. Audible is coming out soon, um, but you know, it's Kindle or hard copy. You can buy it from me or buy it from the, um, you know, from wherever you buy books and, and whatever would come to me goes right out to those organizations. So that's how they could support. And if you like the book, as you know, reviews matter. Um, so if you think that, um, that uh, the messages in the book and the stories are moving, and um, inspiring and cause you to be better equipped to have hard conversations than tell other people about it. Right. Thank you so much. And we're going to put all that information um, for you guys in the show notes as well. Um, so thank you so, so, so much, David. It has been a pleasure. Yeah, you're very welcome, Bianca. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. If you connected with what you just heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can stay connected by following the Instagram, Bianca Keisha, spelled Keisha, K-E-S-H-A, or visiting the website, AuthenticWednesday.com. Remember, authenticity is a journey, not a destination.